opportunity to come before your throne of grace. We're looking for mercy, Lord. We're looking for grace to help us. We're looking for answers. We're looking for impartation, encouragement. Whatever it is that you want to feed us with today, Lord, we are hungry to hear from you. So we thank you for being our on-time God, the one who knows, the one who sees, the one who can see afar off. Father, help our vision. If we are too short-sighted, help us to trust the, your far-off vision that you operate in so that we can walk by faith and not by sight. Thank you for that opportunity, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. <clears throat> so today, uh, the Lord told me to tell you that correction is coming to the church. Amen. It's coming to God's people. Correction is coming to God's people. And so <clears throat> when we talk about correction... There's some things that we need to uh, understand. Correction really is a fact of life. It is a principle of uh, of uh, success. Uh, people are never successful if they are not willing to correct either their ideas, expectations, behaviors. Um, our Christian life is one of continual correcting. Amen. Continue because we're always learning. Uh, when you're learning, there is always room for improvement. When you're learning, there's always need for correction. So correction is not a bad word, even though in our pride sometimes we resent it because we want to think that we're right all the time. Uh, you know, being a Christian has very little to do with being right. Amen. Sometimes it's a matter of being wrong and getting right. Sometimes it's a matter of survival. Uh, sometimes, you know, there are different things that pop up in the life of believers that, uh, you know, your pride in wanting to be right plays little place in God's plan. In fact, it becomes a hindrance to us sometimes where we we can't really be corrected we can't really listen to God's voice and understand uh, what he's doing many times the enemy makes uh, problems so big and makes things blows them way out of proportion as to where God's mind is you know um, correction is is no bigger thing to God than uh, it is to you as a parent when your children were small and they stumbled as they were trying to walk. See? You helped them up, you picked them up until they learned how to walk on their own. Amen. And so that's really what God is doing with his people because uh, it's very, very easy to lose sight of where you're going. Uh, when you live in this world, when you're a creature of light and you live in darkness, it's very easy to lose sight of what's important, where you're going, timing, many, many things that come in. And so if you can imagine the body of Christ being composed of so many millions of people, I would, I would dare to say billions of people worldwide, and then God has to keep us all moving in one direction at his pace and attentive to the things he wants us to be attentive to. Uh, it's not surprising that he would have to come in and correct our course at some point. So correction really has to do with it, the, the, the body of Christ is likened to a ship. 
Amen. Sometimes we talk about the gospel ship. We used to talk about it that way. A ship, many things can happen to a ship to drag it off course. Number one, it can be uh, steered incorrectly. You can make a wrong turn and steer the whole boat in the wrong direction. False steering or wrong steering can be attributed to false prophets who give false forecasts for the body of Christ, false teachers, false ministers, false messages. So people can oftentimes, if if you have it as a minister, you have to work out your ministry between you and God. And that's why I tell people, uh, don't get too many people involved in determining how you respond to the call of God in your life. Uh, when the Apostle Paul said, he gave the testimony of how uh, he met the Lord Jesus Christ. He was struck uh, light so bright, brighter than the sun came, and I fell to the ground, etc., etc. He said, and in, in, uh, I was three days in darkness, you know, and when I received my sight, he said, I conferred immediately not with flesh and blood. Amen. So he didn't go to any human being to find out what he should do from there. He spent his time finding out from God. In fact, he said, I thank my God I pray in tongues more than all of y'all. And so he had received many, many revelations from God. And so it's it's obvious that you have to have um, God's understanding from God what your call is and what you're supposed to do. It's like I tell people, I say, if I know one thing, I know I'm called to teach watchmen. I'm called to do this prayer ministry. That much I know. And so it's, if you can stick with what you know, then the chances of you going off course are very, very small. And see, as a minister, you have to fight ambition. You have to fight all these people who tell you you should be doing this and you should be doing that. And haven't you done this yet? And, you know, all this kind of stuff. And you have to stick with what you know God has told you. What did you find out directly from him? That is not to say that people won't play a role. You got me? So man will often, by the Holy Ghost, confirm what you're doing confirm who you are if nobody ever confirms that i'm a minister these seats would be empty you got me and so you have to understand that there's some confirming that comes because you've got to minister to people you got to have people sitting out there and so when you understand that you'll understand the role that god plays and the role that man plays so when the the body is steered the wrong way, they are eating food that didn't come from God through false teaching, false messages, and that kind of thing. So that's where leadership gets an idea of where we're supposed to be and takes over the the leadership and it goes off course. So then God has to come and correct the body and tell us what we're supposed to be doing. And so sometimes he will correct those leaders, but if those people won't be corrected, then then God will raise up leaders with the message that he has for for us to to understand and to feast on.
A second way the uh, ship can be uh, needs to be corrected is it can veer off course. Amen. So uh, sometimes God has a course for us, uh, a message that he wants us to receive and then impart to the people that are, are listening to our voices. And, and if, if we stay on that message too long or if we don't incorporate another message to strengthen that, et cetera, et cetera, you can veer off course. So a veering off course really kind of uh, means that you are, are giving in to pet doctrines, things that you like uh, because they bring you a certain amount maybe of notoriety from people, a certain amount of attention. Uh, you know, there are some people that get messages uh, that they sell a million books off of and they just, you know, skyrocket because there's such a hunger for that. And if the person who is God is using to bring that message likes it too much, lets it stay out there too long and, and you know, they start printing mugs and T-shirts and journals, you know, uh, uh, whatever the book is, uh, say, take purpose driven that was so commercialized you know you had purpose driven journal to keep notes in you had purpose driven t-shirts and hats and everything else that that came with that and so many times people will i guess stay at the trough too long because it's paying off you know what i'm saying and they'll allow things to to uh, be used like that and it's a it's a um it's a temptation because Many times people have um, people backing them. You know, when you sell books, there are publishers that underwrite it and take a huge amount of the profit off from you. And, uh, you know, sometimes people, you need to think, could I do better just putting this, putting this out there myself? <laughs> Let God have, you know, whatever. But anyway, they, they do that. And so they'll say, well, why don't you let us do a, a mug to go along with the book so you can sit there and drink your coffee and read that book? And, um, why don't you put a Bible on the mug and let people read their Bible, you know, but. It's a whole different story right there. But uh, they'll do it. And then they say, well, I was surprised it sold so many. Well, why wouldn't it? God's given you a name. See, when God gives you a name that people recognize, it's worth something in the natural. Amen. And so people who don't give you that name understand what your name is worth real easily. And they'll make money off of it and capitalize off of it. And see, it's easy to veer off course onto a doctrine that can start out accurate and then it gets uh, 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 polluted and there's a mixture that comes in just to give it longer life in people's ears. You know what I'm saying? It's it's, it's want to stretch it out a little bit. Keep talking about it. Word of faith messages like that. Prosperity messages like that. And many people preaching it that need to cut it short and start dealing with homeless people you know, maybe have your church take the van down there and you don't have to drag anybody to your church goes do it out and see how they feel uh, you know while you're down there take some bowls of soup in there and that kind of stuff or sandwiches that they can eat something like that and and so carry the gospel where you're supposed to take it you're not all called to make money off that message because it's popular 
many times ministers pick up messages because they see how people are gravitating to it and they don't want to lose anybody. See? They are so insecure about who God has for them to minister to. They'll preach that message even though God didn't give it to them just because everybody's listening to it and they don't want people to go elsewhere to get that if that's what they're going to do. Well, if you don't think any more about God's assignment of people to you than to think they're so easily seduced like that, you know what? You need to go back and start talking to God about what's yours, how to handle it, and just be secure in what God's given you to do. Because that's just really the best way to be. Just be secure in what God's given you to do. Seek to do more of it, of course. Be open to God to work more for him. Because there's always people out here who need God. But find a way that God wants you to reach people that is unique to you. And that way you keep yourself on and the rest of the people that follow you. You keep your all. Everybody is on course then. You're not going off doing this and trying to grab that and grab this and understand this and understand that. But you're secure in what God gives you. Many people want fame. They want large numbers. That's very, very common to desire. And just for fame and numbers sake is not for, well, if I had more people here, that means I'm reaching more people in this community and fewer people are lost. You know, it seldom is that way. When you see big numbers and big auditoriums, you want some of that. And that's probably as far as it goes. So we have to watch those things. And they don't cause us to veer off course. You know, veer off course through boredom. You know, you're trying to get the message of the hour and some new revelation. And that will cause you to bring in false doctrine because you want something new. And everybody else is, you know, the prophets are the hot thing and apostles are the hot thing right now. So we got to do that. And so we got to make sure that people know I'm an apostle too. If that's what they want. That's what they're craving out there. I, I got to give that to them. And see, all of that has to be corrected. When God sees that infiltrating the church, it has to be corrected. A third way that the, the ship gets uh, off course is it can drift off course. You know, you see a, a ship that's out in the middle of the sea and they just pull the sail up and just let it meander a little bit with no direction, nowhere to go. And many times you're off course because you need to add vision to what you're doing. And so you'll see this happen. Say, for instance, if prophets can give you an accurate word from God to tell you and let you know where God wants you to be and you refuse it, then you're going to drift off course. Amen. Uh, people want to find out from a prophet if God's going to pay their bills, give them a house, give them a spouse, give them, you know, kids, all that kind of stuff. But they don't want to find out what they're supposed to be doing with their ministry. No, what they're supposed to be doing in their personal life. You know, how you live, uh, what God expects out of you. What do you need to offer up to the Lord so that you can get your personal load lightened so you can run faster for God? Amen. And all that stuff that comes to correct our souls and bring our spirits more in the forefront, uh, people don't have much taste for. I remember uh, years ago, people would say things, oh, that's a hard word. And I would say, get thee behind me, Satan. 
God's word isn't hard. And see, that was to manipulate people out of saying things that they thought were not flattering to the people who had to receive a prophecy. So, you know, what are you, you telling God his word is too hard for you? What's wrong with you? You got me? And so we, we have to uh, understand that God, well, his yes is yes and his no is no. When he wants us to do something, he doesn't change his mind about it. He knows exactly the last time you went to him and didn't like what he told you, it's going to be the same thing the next time you go to him. Amen? Because he wants to keep us on course. We are going somewhere, whether we believe it or not. Many times we look at church as something just to play at or do when we get time to do or do in a casual manner. But God is serious about his work down here in the earth and he wants his people to be the same way. It doesn't mean you can't have fun. It doesn't mean you can't enjoy your life in God. But what it does mean is that when God says shape up, he means shape up because we're going somewhere. Amen. You got to pack your things and do it in a hurry. When Israel left Egypt, they didn't have time to discuss how they felt about God's instructions. And any time they moved out in power, it was pretty much the same scenario. When they took Jericho, they didn't have time to discuss. In fact, Joshua told them all, shut up until I tell you to say something. Joshua had watched them people for 40 years. And he knew how to instruct them. He said, now watch. Every time we give them instructions, the mouth starts. He said, I'm going to tell them, shut up. And that way they can't mess this up. You got me? And so you learn as you, <laughs> you learn as you go forward in the things of God. Because people will find a way to worm out of everything. If they can. You know, they'll criticize God out of business. If they can. And so you have to put a stop to certain things if you're going to go forward in God. Amen. And, and I mean that in all sincerity and with all love. Because this is not a game to everybody. To some people, this is their life. Amen. This is, this is what you are here for. So some of the ways we drift off course. So we like vision and direction. Don't want to hear the prophet tell us what we're supposed to do. We want to hear about what God's going to give us. Some of the things that cause us to drift off course is when you, instead of pressing into God to understand divine health, you start leaning on natural medicine. Well, this is all can be corrected by some herbs and some, you know, them herbs have been around forever. And they ain't healed nobody yet. You understand what I'm saying? You might feel better with some of them, but they have no healing property. The Bible says he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. So if if there's things in your body that are off kilter in destroying you, so to speak, the word will correct that. Amen. The word will correct that. And so we we have to understand that God's word will do everything. It's not the word and this. It's the word period. So if there's some add to's in your life, start putting the word in and pretty soon the add to will drop off. Amen. And then the word will sustain you. Amen. That's really all you need. Uh, fads that go through the body of Christ, compromise to keep popularity, status, and then winds and waves of doctrine can blow us off course. Amen. 
Oh, everybody's reading this book now. Everybody's, have, have you read so-and-so? Have you got this? Have you got that? Oh, I got so-and-so. Have you seen him on TV? And uh, Got your downloads and got your this and your that. Everything to pump your mind full of false things. Uh, too much of anything is too much. You got me? Uh, everything should be had in balance and, and should be had in, in uh, um, you know, in a way that causes you to grow and, and causes you to understand God better. You know, not some little pet thing that, that you know, kind of feeds your flesh. You're not sure if it's feeding your flesh or your spirit, you know. And so we have to be careful of those things. So there is a correction coming to put us back on course because we've got all these influences uh, in the body of Christ and God has one thing for us to do and that is the Great Commission. And uh, many times some of the uh, things that veer us off course have nothing to do with soul winning. You know, I have yet to see a million seller book that teaches you how to go out and pass out tracts or go out and preach the gospel or pray for believers to come into and that's supposed to be our job that's our main work down here so you can see a lot of this stuff that we give our give into has really nothing to do with the commission that Jesus left us in the great commission to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature Amen. And make sure everybody has heard about the life-giving and life-saving power of the gospel. And so it's a good thing to stay uh, focused on this and stay focused on that. It's interesting. uh, There's a a friend I have on Facebook, and he passes out tracts every day. And so he's always on there chatting with people. He'll ask for prayer and let people know what he's been doing, what the response was. Thank you for praying because we got this, that, and the other. And and so somebody was telling him, uh, well, you know, uh, I know you pass out tracts, but sometimes you need to stop and, and lead people to the Lord. And he said, you know what? He said, I considered that years ago. He said, but I realize that these are seeds. He said, if I stop and talk to one person, he said, that's about 30 seeds that I didn't have time to get into the hands of those who are going to hell. So see, there's a correction that can come to all of us that's a higher realm of understanding our purpose. See, this man knows so well his purpose. He's not going to. This is like when people want to invite us to their prayer meeting because we, we found out what God wants us to do and y'all need to come. No, 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 no. Yeah, we got our assignment already. Amen. We've been through that already. And so, you know, that's like coming up to a, a patrolman uh, who's on duty and telling them, you know, come over here because there's trouble going on over here. If that ain't his jurisdiction, he'll just call somebody and they get sent over there. You understand what I'm saying? And so we have to understand what we're called to do, be about doing it, and when correction comes, receive it. Amen? Because God is correcting his entire body. Don't be afraid to look at things that God may want to move out so he can move other things in. Amen. Uh, Don't be afraid of change. Don't be afraid of different things. Don't be afraid because there is a correction coming. So as watchmen, we are keepers of the Lord's lighthouse. 
And we have the job of keeping the ship on course. Amen. That's our job. The way we do it is by clearing away and removing obstacles to the advancement of the gospel and advancement of God's kingdom. Taking spiritual authority, praying the way we do, being alert and awake for things that don't pass the sniff test. I guess you could put it that way. You know, it don't smell right, uh, don't look right, don't feel right. And so we have to make sure that we follow up on those leads that we have, spiritually speaking, where it looks like this is something that will stand in the way of where God is taking us as a, as a body of believers, amen, and as a nation. The nation that you live in uh, is a recipient of your prayer and of your, your uh, ability to do your job. So taking spiritual authority, removing obstacles to the gospel, amen, things that will stand in the way of God's people advancing in the earth. We, we take authority over those. Providing the light of the word through prophetic prayer. When you pray those prayers, I know people look at them and almost know them by heart. And you think you're bored with them. But every time you open your mouth and release that word of God, you are providing light to somebody. Amen. Who may be in darkness. So don't ever, just because you're not travailing and laying on the floor and seeing visions and dreams, don't think that that's not effective prayer. That the most effective prayer is the Word of God. People will tell you that any day of the week. Amen? Amen. Also, warning the body of Christ of false ways. See, the watchmen, because we, we operate in a greater light, there's light all over God's kingdom, but we operate in a greater light, they can see afar off where the trouble is heading before you even get there. You think you, oh, I got a right to do this. When you start arguing and striving with yourself and striving with people who are in authority over you and arguing and that kind of stuff, just check yourself for a minute and say, now wait a minute. Uh, I don't have to get in the flesh to make my point. And I don't have to fight any, anybody in the flesh, you know, if, if I'm offended. And people just offended by everything, you know, so. But we have to warn the body of Christ of false ways through prophecy, through counsel and preaching. Oftentimes, the less light there is available to the body because they've gone off course, the more valuable prophecy becomes. I mean, true prophecy. You got me? So many times we'll, we'll start to... Uh, Give more credence and more attention to prophecy because you look around and there's no other light out there. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, we got to add is because there's no, there's no leading to go anyplace else. So many times God will help the body of Christ by allowing the familiar light to go dim. You got me? That which used to lead you and feed you all of a sudden doesn't cut it anymore and so you start hungering for some light because you're in darkness you know you need something but you don't know what it is and so when it shows up hopefully you'll receive it 
as of the Lord and follow up on it and do do what the light tells you to do. So this helps the body of Christ to get back on course. When God starts to take the joy out of all your little pet things that you've been used to doing and, you know, all that kind of stuff, and you see it has led you down a blind alley, then you'll start to be more appreciative of the light that he offers to you, you know, the light that is there. And so it's a good thing. It's amazing to me. People, I've been doing this for 30 years, and I've seen people come and go in this ministry, and they'll... uh, be very uh, uh, casual about coming, coming, then they finally drift away. Well, I, I think I'm going to go so-and-so because I want to do this for God and that for God. And I'm, Well, I've never stopped any, anybody from doing anything for God. But, you know, they, they've gotten deceived in the thinking that they have a better opportunity somewhere. And I thought to myself, well, if you had just come to church like you were supposed to or pray with your prayer partner, this experience might have been more beneficial to you. You know, how are you going to graduate to something else when you haven't fulfilled what was available to you here? You know what I'm saying? And so then once they leave, all of a sudden, I was looking online and I saw this and I saw that. I thought to myself, I said, you know what? You were given a seat at the Father's table. Now you're living off crumbs. So the problem is not outside of you what do you think about yourself really do you really feel that you have a place at the father's table or do you are you always a second-class citizen you understand what i'm saying gotta have crumbs don't like this don't like that just a thought you know just a thought i'm just thinking out loud because i i like to know how to convince people to just hang tight and obey god you know, get your heart right. Start start allowing yourself to understand. Shh, you got to hold that down, baby, okay? Because you got one conversation. I got another one over here. I'm trying my best. So, but, but we have to get into a place where we start to understand what God is doing and what he's speaking to us. The best route is the humble route. Don't always know what you want. Don't always know what's good for you. Amen? Don't always, and, and when you're in a situation and God's involved, you give it your best shot and then some. Sometimes best really ain't going to cut it. You got to go beyond your best, if you know what I mean. You got me? And so we, we really do need correcting in the body of Christ. We have a lot of sloppy habits that need to be, there's too much casualness about God. And eventually that catches up with you. Amen. It really does. You, you, don't, you can't mock God. Whatever you sow, you reap. If you don't sow it, you can't reap it. I'm going to say it again. Whatever you sow, you reap. If you don't sow it, you cannot reap it. Amen. And so we need to take the things of God seriously. Because we want him to be serious. When we want something, we want the best. A hundred percent. Sevenfold return. But we want the maximum. Are you willing to give the maximum to him? That's, that's the whole thing. Amen. So when, when we understand that God wants us to be in a certain place, in a certain way, doing a certain thing, we are to do that. That's the correction. What is it, God, that I need to be doing with my 
every day with my, when I get up in the morning, first thing, what do I need to do with that? How do I need to approach uh, the things of God? How do I need to approach the gospel? And so when we start getting in that mode, then we will be corrected. Then we will get right back on course the way we're supposed to and we'll be stronger in it because God has brought it to our attention and shown us exactly what we need to do. So I thought I'd give you a few examples here. I was going to talk about uh, the seven churches in Revelation, but before I do that, I was going to give you an example of uh, somebody who uh, uh, was was uh, a false, really a false apostle in a sense. He's not false in that he wasn't called, but he got into false teaching and false leading of God's sheep uh, because he carried some old habits with him, never got rid of them, okay? And that's Peter. Uh, If you'll turn to Galatians 2, You'll see uh, Peter and Paul in Antioch, I think is where they are. No, in Jerusalem. Sorry about that. Uh, let me see. Galatians 2. And Paul starts out by telling them what... Uh, uh, Let me just read it. 2 verse 1. 14 years after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. And I went up by revelation. That's what you need to do. Do things by revelation. If you don't have revelation, just do them by assignment. What has God assigned you to do? Because that assignment came, it comes in the form of revelation at first to you. I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. So Paul was flexible enough. You know, if there were some people that didn't mix in well with the ordinary people, he would do a house call. And share the the gospel with them. You know, he didn't want to overlook anybody. He said, but neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And that, uh, because of false brethren, unawares, brought in, who came in privately to spy out our freedom or our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. So this is number one snake that believers have to look out for once God brings you into freedom there are always religious people that want to bind you again Uh, tongues is of the devil well you can't pray in tongues without interpreting well give me a minute I'll see if I can grab one for you (laughs) the Bible says you pray you interpret doesn't say you have to get an interpretation you numbskull why don't you read the Bible instead of looking, listen to what your crazy country pastor told you? So, if they cut off all his fingers, he couldn't read. Got me? Read for yourself. And he says, false brethren, unawares brought in, who came in privately to spite out our liberty, which you have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us again into bondage. To whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. So Paul said, we, Peter, uh, Paul said, we had nothing to do with them. We want to continue in the gospel so you're free. 
We don't want this stuff on us. He said, but these who seem to be somewhat, whoever they were, it makes no matter to me. God accepts no man's persons. For they who seem to be something in conference added nothing to me. But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision, that is the Gentile, was committed unto me, as the gospel of circumcision, that is the Jew, was committed to Peter, For he had wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision. That same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. So we both preach the same gospel. But Peter was called to the Jew and I was called to the Gentile. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship that we should go into the heathen and they into the circumcision. Only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I was always uh, accustomed to doing. He said, but when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him from to the face because he was to be blamed. So here's correction. Amen. One apostle or one man of God to the other. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing the Jews, them that were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their incorrect doctrine. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly, According to the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you, being a Jew, lives after the manner of the Gentiles and do not as the Jews, why do you compel the Gentiles to live as the Jews? So apparently Peter was commanding the Gentiles to be circumcised, go back under the Mosaic law, instead of allowing them to have the freedom to live by faith the way God intended. See, what has been done away with can't be brought in to what exists in the new. That thing's dead already. So it has no power. The only thing it is, is it's something that you do because somebody intimidates you into thinking that you have to do it. You got me? And so that's what Peter, amen, Peter had given into that because it's like everybody else is doing it, Peter. There's no harm here, Peter. Amen. He says, who were Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by works of the law. We'd have been through that already, Peter. But by faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. In other words, Jesus didn't set you free and then it be wrong. He set you free and it's right and anything else you go back to is wrong. So if you've got to have a right and a wrong, accept the right that's in Christ Jesus. 
that we see evidence of in our lives. There's evidence that the preaching of the gospel outside of works brings power. It brings deliverance. It brings healing. It brings all of the good things that Christ had. So there's evidence that this is the right way. So why are you pressing people to go back into the nonsense again? He says, for if I believe, if I build again the things which were destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. So if I keep building on this and it's been destroyed already, it's like uh, there's uh, people that I know that, that, you know, I've been to all kinds of churches in my life and typical Baptist church, right? You get them baptized in the Holy Ghost, but they go back to the Baptist church again. Instead of coming out and building on that which was newly imparted to you. Well, the Bible says no man likes the taste of the new wine when he tastes it right away. He says, that old tastes better. I don't know what it is about this new stuff, but I don't like it. I want to go back to this old. Well, the thing you got to do is take the old and throw it out. For your own good. You cast the old thing out. Never to go back again. I can tell some people. You know you have that thing in you. Sometimes the minute the word Baptist is said. You get offended. See because that religious thing. See they put a swear and oath over their people. Once a Baptist always a Baptist. You ever heard that? What you need to do is just go in the closet and say, I renounce that devil in Jesus' name. Because I've never been a Baptist. Huh? Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Or you can go to God and say, God, please forgive me for assigning my soul to a denomination and not to you. So you got to know things that bind you and things that keep you free. Huh? Because religion has in it uh, its own defense. And so once you embrace a religious spirit, it stays in your soul to defend itself against you getting free from it and being subject to truth only and not to man's control and man's doctrine. See, you can't be free and bound at the same time. Whatever you're free, wherever your freedom takes you. Now I have nothing against, I love everybody. Let me put that in there because you got to say that or people think you're picking on somebody. But you know, we don't have time to explain everything sometimes. Let's just keep moving on in truth, okay? So you, that fed you for a season when you didn't know about the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So drop that. It was a, it was a step. On the pathway to getting to the fullness of Christ. It's not where you live. You don't owe them people nothing. Huh? Yeah, well, I argue with people all day long. What can I tell you? So anyway, he says here. He says, uh, so if I build up, verse 18, if I build up again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. Because you tore them down for a reason. You prayed in tongues because you were looking for more. You came out of that. God set you free out of that denominational hold because it wasn't satisfying. There was no power there. You and most of the people were still sipping. You were sipping saints and smoking saints. Amen. 
Couldn't wait to get out of church and get in the parking lot so you could light up. Everybody's, you know, all the fresh air is out there. You're looking at all that cloudy stuff in people's cars. You can't blow the smoke out the window because the deacons will see you. Then he'll want one. God give him a puff. Well, if you don't have power to resist all that stuff, and you know you don't feel right doing it, you got to go get some power so you can resist it. Amen. So God leads you out. You get baptized in the Holy Spirit, but all of a sudden these demands for the got to pray, got to do this, got to read my word. The old wine tastes better. So you can go to church, listen to a sermon, and correct the preacher all the way home after church. And think that's what it's supposed to be about. When you're spirit filled, that word works on you. <laughs> so you make yourself a transgressor if you go back to that. You've torn that down already. Made a platform for the new thing, but you go back again. People, people are very soulish. They like that emotional. I got to see if sister so-and-so going to shout today. You know, Reverend, he get on that one subject, and you can just watch her and make sure, and you gonna be sure she gonna shout, jump up, and you know a wig over here, and she over here, and all. Huh? It's an amusement. Verse nineteen: For I through the law am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. Amen. So you got to die to stuff so you can live for God. For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I'm dead, but I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So it's you. You're, you're living, but not. Your shell is here, but your innards belong to Christ. Amen. They're totally in the image of Christ and totally God-like in every way. He says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness can by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Amen. So he's telling him, don't. Say, so, you know, don't try and mix this stuff up like that. Now turn over Galatians six nineteen. Paul goes through a great discourse on telling people the difference between the law. And he finds out, he ends up by understanding why Peter did what he did. He says, uh, oh, 617. From henceforth, let no man trouble me. In other words, quit bugging me about circumcision, uncircumcision, all that stuff. For I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. And see, you're either bearing in your body the mark of circumcision, which those Gentiles did, and they did it so that they wouldn't be persecuted. So you get around the Jews, you get a pass. And if you start compelling everybody to get circumcised, you get more passes. 
And you look at the lives of Peter versus Paul. Peter walked with the Lord. He got off to a rousing start. This is typical about, this is why the body needs correction. You can get off to a, a blazing start. Everybody knows your name. You're real popular. You're selling all kinds of books. You know, you're booked up for two years in advance with speaking engagements, etc., etc. So that's the way Peter started out. But Peter, something happened to him because you see him Peter out. Knock, knock, knock. Who takes over? And Paul writes all of these, like half of the New Testament close to. All of these epistles, those are Paul's writing by the Holy Ghost. Peter gets two, two little short epistles that are in Holy Ghost inspired. You know, canon of scripture is what they call it. And so why the difference? How's Paul able to run this race and take over? Why isn't Peter still giving doctrine and stuff like that and it looks like the answer is here Peter because he couldn't handle the persecution and you see him fizzle out like in the the 10th chapter of the book of Acts where he gets imprisoned and he's enchained and remember the prophecy over uh, over over his life when Jesus told him he said when you were young you you girded yourself and you got up and you went where you wanted to go when you become old somebody else will gird you and lead you where you don't want to go and so Peter had that hanging over him instead of it just being hey I'm going to make hay where the sun shines I don't know when that's going to happen he gets stuck in the prison between two guards and he finally gets let go through the prayers of the saints and you really don't hear of him anymore. Next time you hear about him, he's compromising. Right. Telling the people they got to, telling Gentiles they got to be circumcised like the Jews. Why? Because he didn't want to bear in his body the marks of Jesus. You know what the marks of Jesus are? Like Paul got. You got beat up every city you went to. Paul said, look, I, I got in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not looking at circumcision to get me out of getting beat everywhere I go. I'd be ticked off at him too. You got me? I'd tell him off to his face too. Especially if he's leading people astray with that false doctrine again. Huh? And Paul has write a whole letter. You see most of his, you look at Romans, you look at Galatians. You look at all of these letters, they're the same thing over and over again. Quit doing the legal thing, the Old Testament law, and get into faith. It's the same thing we tell people now. Get your faith together. Walk by faith. Live by faith. Use your faith every day. Find something to use your faith for. I don't care if it's just believing your goldfish to stop, get off his floating. You know, go to swim, goldfish. You know, whatever it is. But we have to look at faith as a precious commodity that that is Christ. It, it, this is how we live. We live through the Christ in us. Amen? It's no longer I who live, but Christ living in me. How's he going to do that if you don't live by faith? If you're worried about everything that happens, if you're mad because you don't get something soon enough, are you living by faith when you do that? I'm telling you. 
Your faith is there. That's Christ living in you, wanting to lead you into a better life. Same thing with Peter. Jesus had a better life for Peter. But Peter didn't want to. You know, he was finally crucified. He lived maybe another, maybe 30, 30 or so years after Jesus ascended. But, you know, think of what he could done, could have done if he hadn't let tradition and fear, fear of persecution really, uh, cause him to veer off course. So Peter was leading the Jewish believers away from the faith and back to dead religion. This is his problem. Paul confronted him about it. Because they are accountable to one another. As men of God and apostles, they're accountable to one I don't know who to account to in this, you know, it's a jumble out here. You know, you just, you know, just stay in your box until God shows you who's who in the zoo. Those people are little nuts. Paul confronts it. And the book of Galatians addresses this problem of returning to the law and not standing in the liberty of Christ. Amen. So... You either have the marks of circumcision, which are compromised, or the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ, which will, which are those of persecution. Amen. There's going to be some negative things said about you. There are going to be lies told about you. There will be people try to stop your ministry, try to stop you from doing what God called you to do. All of that, those are the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And Amen. And so when you understand that, that persecution comes to pierce your soul and discourage you and pierce your heart so that you don't want to you get faint hearted you don't want to go on with God you don't want to continue with God that's when you got to understand God you got to give me something more than what I'm used to (laughs) amen you got to show me something here God this is a kid this ain't too promising right here you know but you get past that hopefully and you go on and understand what God has for you and the reason for it. These are the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. This validates in a way your assignment. It validates your anointing. It validates your ministry. It validates all of those things for you. Because uh, there's no other way to get that validation. See, the servant is not above his master. And that's one thing that Peter forgot. He forgot he would have to go through the same things the Lord had to go through. Peter showed his his fear of it when Jesus first gave him the prophecy. Because he looked at John and he said, well, what's he going to go through? I always want to spread it around, Peter. You know, all his life, Peter wanted to be the standout guy. So, okay, here's your chance. You get to stand out. Amen. And so so we have to understand that there are are things that will happen, things that will will but God will deliver us out of all of them. You know, none of none of it's not planned by God for your perfection and your maturity. You've got to understand that. So uh Peter compromised to avoid persecution. Amen. And this is also the history of the church. We compromise to avoid persecution. We look like the world, dress like the world, you know, doll ourselves up like the world because we don't want any, oh, God forbid, I should look like a Christian. You know, whatever you think that is. Amen. And, and so we try to hide the light by worldly adornments. Amen. Do. Yeah. 
I can't, uh, I mean, you, you, you know, I mean, you know, that don't mean nothing. I don't have to wear any long skirts. I don't have to wear, wear what you want to wear. But but settle it in your heart who you belong to. You know, that, that's got to be real. You know, you you got to quit playing dress up uh, as a Christian. You know, what I look like is more important than what's on the inside of me. Amen. So you have to, you know, be honest with you. There's some, some people out here, and they look scary, you know. I mean, and I think it's an immaturity, um, and I think they do it on purpose because many times people are carrying little chips on their shoulder. They, I mean, they're not totally free, let me put it that way. And so uh, Sandy Brown talked about that years ago. She said, I had a big red afro, and I wore tight jeans. And she was saying that she went to Rama, and she said, and I was, she said, and I, I realized that people looked at me funny, and I just kept doing it. See? And so, you know, listen, the saints are there to strip the grave clothes off you, take all that dead stuff off of you, and let you realize you're a new creature. See? It's a liberty. It's an honor. To have people willing to speak into your life to help. You know what? When before I was even saved, there were people around me, and I didn't realize most of them were backslidden Christians. But I would say something like a cuss word, and, and this one lone woman, I remember her well. I worked with her, and she said, "You know that word don't even look right coming out of your mouth." She said, "I don't know what it is about you." She said, "But that just don't." And see, this is what we do for one another. We help each other come into the dignity that is the Christ in you. There's a dignity of your inner man that needs to radiate out on the outer. Huh? We don't have to look like worldly people to be godly people. Come on, we're bigger than that. We're not of this world. We're just visiting down here. Don't get comfortable here. You know what I'm saying? Just, you know, <laughs> blue nails. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? I'm an old lady. I'm funny like that. You know? <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. We can take it too far. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it's nice to adorn yourself, look nice, all that kind of stuff. Look pleasant. You don't scare people the other way. But, but there are some things that just come out of that rebellion and not wanting to let the world go. And that's what she was in. And she said, and I, I really, she said, I, I kind of knew it was wrong because people would look at me funny when I would go into the church or something like that. And she went to Ramah, same thing, she said, and nobody said anything to me. She said, but I was standing in the back of the auditorium in the hallway waiting to go in, she said, and Brother Hagen was standing over across from me. She said, and there was such a power of conviction to come into that corridor. She said, she said, I felt ashamed. I felt small. I felt rebellious. She felt all the things that she was. She said, and I changed my appearance. She said, and right away, doors started opening for ministry for her. So she had an awesome testimony and awesome anointing. But sometimes people are scared to open that door for you because they don't know what you're going to say when you get you looking like the world. You understand what I'm saying? You got to do things. You got to do reasonable things. You understand what's reasonable. And so Peter could not let go of the compromise in him because he didn't, he didn't got a taste of that persecution. He didn't like being jailed between them prisoners. 
You got me? And waiting for an angel to come and release him. I guess he said, no, I ain't going through this again. <laughs> do what y'all want to do, but I'm going I'm to stay under the radar. Well, you can't stay under the radar if you call to, to stand out. You got me? If God's wanting you to stand out, you stand out and you got to trust him to get you to the end of your life and the end of your ministry and the end of what God wants you to do in the earth. Amen? So if we're to go forward in power... We must be willing to keep going forward in spite of persecution. Amen. You got to go to God. I, I can remember going to God and crying my eyes out. Oh, Lord, God, they don't like me. And what did I do? You can rack your brain trying to correct your behavior to make people like you. But this thing don't go away like that. You just got to face it and tough it out and learn how to forgive people and love people. Huh? People that came to me and told me they told people not to come to my ministry and I was a witch and cursed me and preached against me. I was willing to pray for them uh, and to help them in any way I could. And I'd have to think twice about it. It was a gift of God. You know what I'm saying? There's a gift part of that, too. That, that you know, it just it's real. Amen. So Peter has to take a back seat, so to speak, to Paul, though he had the credentials of an apostle, walk with the Lord. So God's work, in other words, will not be stopped by leaders who lead the sheep the wrong way. He will deal with false leaders and spineless leaders, the ones that don't want to preach the gospel. Amen. Like filling up seats and having rock music instead of worship. Huh? You know, that's some of that stuff. When we used to say, hmm, that sounds too good. You know, you just keep on going. You say that to yourself, and that's how we would describe edgy stuff. You, you need to get in the mainstream to get off the edge so much. Your butt ought to be cut by sitting on the edge. My goodness. Some people, leaders, will repent and God take the position God has for them. Oftentimes, those people are looking for lofty and they're really called to average. You've got to get lofty out of your head. You know, it, it, there's a price to pay for lofty and most people aren't willing to pay for it. I'm talking lofty in God, amen? Some will fade into the background like Peter did. Amen. So in Revelation 2, well, we'll go there and we'll talk about the judgment on the seven churches because you'll see some of the attitude that takes the, the church off course in these, uh, these uh, churches. Uh, Revelation chapter 2, this is the vision of John. Uh, the Apostle John on the Isle of Patmos where he was for, he said he was there for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's where <laughs> a lot of people say, uh, I, I was in a, a, a 40,000 seat auditorium preaching the gospel. Uh, John was on the island, prison. <laughs> he, was, he was in prison for the gospel. Same gospel, right? Probably not, but you know. You know, you, your, your preaching of the gospel might get you into some, some nice, nice places, but that shouldn't be your vision. You should want to go where God wants you to go. Your, your gift will fit big and small, amen, because it's Christ. 
know people nah, they get too big for themselves that's why you, you know god has to come and correct because get, get people get stars in their eyes and start believing their own lies about themselves you know here's apostle so he's a legend in his own mind apostle amen so in uh, uh revelations chapter four i mean it's chapter two and verse four it says, uh, no, two, one. He says, unto the angel of the church at Ephesus. Now, these are all cities. These were all real cities in Asia Minor. There's a prophetic edge to these messages, though, because they speak. You know how the word is timeless and ageless. So it speaks of church problems throughout the ages. You're going to always find churches that measure up like this. And so because we don't know the day or the hour of the Lord's coming, we have to take these warnings and take these uh, um, uh, advices that he gives to heart and, and hide them in our hearts and understand how easy it is to get into a wrong uh understanding of the gospel it says unto the angel of church of ephesus write this these things says he that holds the seven stars in his right hand who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks i know your works and your labor and your patience and how you cannot bear them which are which are evil and you have tried them which say they are apostles and are not well, I can see most of us fail right there, right? <laughs> well, we do. We try. I mean, you know people who are real and who not, you know. And have found them liars and have borne and has patience and for my name's sake has labored and had not fainted. Nevertheless, now here it is, all of us who think we're doing everything and we think we have nothing to correct. I can check off maybe a couple of these things, but I can't say I did them all. You understand what I'm saying? So Jesus is saying, here's an almost perfect church. Is it doing almost everything right? Nevertheless, he has something against them. They're, they have left their first love. So you can be doing all the things right and really exhibiting a lot of the fruit of the Spirit. But your heart's fainting. Your heart's fading away from God. There's something else in your heart because you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from, from where you are, are fallen and repent and do the first works. So here we go again. What did you first do when you first got saved? The failure of each of these churches we'll see probably is that they failed to continue to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You'll see many churches that grow and get large, and when they fill up all the seats, then they quit evangelizing, they quit the people, quit going out, inviting people to church, winning souls, all that kind of stuff. And so when you leave your first love, you're really doing uh you're you're doing things but you're not doing them as unto the lord you're not doing them with god you're not doing them with that fresh vision god who's out here now that needs to be saved who's out here now that hasn't heard who's out here now that i can speak to about you and so jesus says he has something against this church and they have less their first love and repent and go back to your first works so there's a place where we have to always be 
walking the streets and praying for people. You have to be always talking to people, neighbors, whomever about the Lord. You have to always have a heart to see somebody else come into the kingdom. And he says, I will come to you quickly and will remove your candlestick out of his place except you repent. You got me? So these are serious things for the Lord. He's not just winking at this and you can do it if you want to or whatever, whatever. And he ends with, with uh, he says, but you, this you have that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. I forget who those people were, but I'll, I'll look it up at some point and tell you. Uh, but there was a doctrine that they they preached that was not correct. He said, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. In other words, he's saying, this is a personal thing between me and you this isn't this is not a you can follow the crowd and get me thing you know what i'm saying like some things are crowd blessings like you're sitting under the word and and you know we we have an altar call and you're not feeling well you can come up and get that's a crowd thing you know what i'm saying because it's being offered to everybody but these individuals he who has an ear jesus says the person next to you may not get this so don't depend on them to fill you in and help you to understand this is a personal thing. This is for your personal salvation. This is you working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. This is to save your soul. So don't pay attention to what somebody else is doing. And he says, to him that overcomes, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So these are hindrances not just to the work of God in the earth, but to your personal salvation. Yes. You, got, you, you ever notice or wonder why some people toward the end of their life come down with an illness and linger for a while? Yes. Well, God is getting them ready to come home with him. You, you just don't shoot over just in whatever condition. And there are some times where people have to get real serious about God and let go of everything else. So that their soul can be prepared to step into heaven. You got me? And I don't know how long it takes. It can be done quickly. It might take months. It might take, you understand what I'm saying? But that's what why Jesus said he saves to the uttermost. Amen? There are some people that don't really get serious about God until they get older. Somehow their tradition tells them, huh? you play around forever. Do what you want to do while you're young and then go back to the church get serious. huh? Catholics believe that. They believe that you can do whatever, go, go to Mass, do your, hold it on, do what you can do. And then they're depending on somebody to call the priests at the end of life. Hopefully God meets them there and offers them a real salvation. You understand what I'm saying? It just, you know what I mean. God can do, he's not... God, God's not hindered by somebody's false doctrine and false believing to save them at the end of their life. Amen. Sometimes people are in tradition and they don't think there's anything else out there. They think staying Catholic is, is staying saved or, stay, you know, and they hold on to that and they don't even know there's a reality in God to have aside from that. And so God has to awaken them up to this. God, salvation belongs to the Lord. Honey, if I understood it, I'd understand myself better, but you know what I'm saying. But uh, anyway, but so, so that was a church at Ephesus. They had veered off course with false and pet doctrine. 
an exaggerated emphasis on certain aspects of the gospel. And he always allows us to overcome. This is the warning to the church so that you can overcome, you can repent, you can straighten up, go back to your first love, go back to the purity of the gospel, go back to that time where you lived to find somebody to tell about Jesus, couldn't wait to get to church, couldn't wait to do your prayers, couldn't wait for your prayer partner to call, all that kind of stuff. Go back to your first love. People get one revelation and sometimes refuse to build on it. So there are many pet doctrines that you can have. For the Baptist is salvation. For the word of faith, people is faith. And your confession. Got to have a good confession. Prophetic people is prophecy. Grace people is nothing but grace. Evangelists like the finished work. You know, everybody has their pet thing that they, you know what I'm saying. And, and don't tell enough people about it. Just, they run around beating up believers about the finished work instead of getting out there and giving it fresh and new to somebody so they can get finished. And so many times people are starved for real truth because these pet things come in there. Amen. How much time do I have? Oh, Lord. (laughs) The church of Thyatira is in 2.18. And it looks like they fell to false prophecy. Said to the angel of the church of Thyatira, write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like burning brass. (coughs) In other words, don't play with him. I know your works and your charity and your service and your faith and your patience and your works and the and the last to be more than the first. So this is a place where they are on fire for God and, and increasing. It says, notwithstanding, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication, to eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their their deeds, and I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searches the reins and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. But I say to you, and unto the rest in Thyatira, do as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan, as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden but that which you have already hold fast until I come so you'll see in every group he addresses there are some who fall into this deception and some who are free of it you got me and so he says you tolerate that woman Jezebel now we know that this is a false church you think he's talking about a real lady who calls herself a prophetess so there is a false church out here with false prophecy about our future and so you've got to know the difference false church and false prophecy is is telling Christians that we're going to be destroyed because uh, we tolerate abortion in our laws or God's judging us 
and the fire is going to come and burn up everybody and we don't have long and all this kind of stuff. All these false things and also the false prophecies that are along the fortune telling lines. Amen. So a fortune telling meaning it has to do with you. Your personal things, always material stuff. You got me? Uh, you know, it, to me, a prophecy is good if it informs you of who you are on the inside, not what God's got for you. You got me? Because if, if you don't ever really find out who you are, you won't fulfill much. So there's some missing things there. You got me? Now, that kind of information is fine as far as it goes. But you can't keep running up into a line to find out when your husband will be here. And you don't know how to be a wife. Well, that went over big. Because there's two sides to everything. See? And if God is not preparing you, like you know, if you you need if you're expecting to be married, you got to know Ephesians back and forward. You know, especially Ephesians four and five. Husbands love God. Husbands love your wife like Christ loves the church. But women also respect and reverence your husband as unto the Lord. You got me. You got to know all of that. And I, yet I will see people think they're waiting on a spouse and don't even know what the word says about and got it. And we have a marriage prayer. You could cheat and look at the marriage prayer and find out and take it to heart. Don't recoil every time you read it. You know, murmur. (laughs) Read the prayer. (laughs) You don't even open your mouth. You read it through clenched teeth. You've got to open your heart to receive your identity. Because when a man is looking for a wife, he knows what he's looking for. I don't care how messed up, crazy, and carnal they are. They know a wife when they see one. Huh? How do they know? God helps them. And be thankful for it. Amen? So we have to understand that when we, we set ourselves to go forward in God... We have to be guided by the word. And this church was was full of false prophecies, false identities. It's a religious church. The same religious devil that keep you from receiving tongues, once you receive it and you understand their gifts of the spirit, will start calling you to, to give false words. And false, it's just a false thing. So they know how to wiggle in there. Don't think they don't know how to work among the, the tongue talkers. They know how to do that and lead many people astray. Think of all the people that are running to people's homes, giving them prophecies, calling them up on the phone, giving them words, all this kind of stuff. You understand what I'm saying? Because it's it's popular now and everybody wants thinks they want to hear from God. Well, the devil set us up to receive false prophecy. Remember in that, well, y'all may not remember. I ain't that old myself. My mother told me about this. But in in the 70s and 80s, horoscopes became very popular. All of a sudden, remember? When the moon is in the seventh house. Yeah, Yeah, them, them people. 
They made horoscopes. They made astrology, all that kind of stuff. Very, very popular. And all of a sudden, in the the local newspapers, this is why news, print newspapers went out of business real fast. They replaced the daily scripture and the inspirational quote with a horoscope. You got me? Because that was the thing, everybody. Everybody wants to know their future all of a sudden. Amen. And so this is the same thing that's in the church now. People want to hear something good about themselves. They don't really want to hear from God. They want to hear something to tickle their ears. And so that's what Jesus had against that church at Thyatira. They were tolerating it. Huh? And so what we have to do as believers is not tolerate. Just stay away from them. Let them have their prophecy parties or whatever they're doing. But you stay with the word of God. You stay with you. Go back to your first love. You don't need a prophecy every day. But you do need to hear from God every day. You understand what I'm saying? You do need to hear from God every day. And I have nothing against prophecy. I'm a prophet myself. But I know the abuses out there. I'm not going to defend abuses. I'm not going to condemn those people either because Jesus gives them a chance to repent. Amen. And so if, if we'll understand the correction that's coming, just know when you, you know, if you've got to straighten up, straighten up. Should be doing it voluntarily. Amen. And, and that's what God wants. He wants a pure church. He wants a pure bride without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. But know that this is the season we're in. We're in correction mode. Amen. Praise God. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for understanding. Thank you for giving us that knowing that we know that we know that we know that we have heard from heaven. We have work to do. And we're not going to shy away from doing it. We're going to be a blessing, Lord. We will. And we'll do it in your name and in your power with your anointing, your purity, your understanding. So we thank you, Lord. We bless you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up. Praise the Lord.